Welcome to the Diversity and Fellowship Podcast, where we discuss how the gospel brings us together and keeps us together. We are your hosts, Kenny King. And I'm William Marshall, and we want to encourage Christians to think through how our lives and our churches can be a faithful display of how the power of the gospel unites us in Christ. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Diversity and Fellowship. I had the pleasure recently of going on vacation in Key West, Florida. Mm. Um, despite it being like super, super hot, uh, we got out every once in a while and went to the pier, went to the beach, and mm. there were people who were on their boats and people yes. on jet skis yes. and, and people doing, I mean, they even had like snorkeling and stuff yes. like that going mm-hmm. on. And brother... There was a 0% chance Zero. of me doing any of that because your boy does not mess around with it's water. Terrible. It's terrible. I do not swim. I don't play around with water. The ocean is beautiful. Man, it's such a beautiful place, but I'm not doing anything that people do so, okay. <laughs> in Key West. Let's just, let's, just, let's just talk about this for a second. So... You flew, how how long did it take you to get to Kiwa? I mean, you flew... So we flew, the, the flight was about, let's say, four hours four total. Four-hour flight, and then, then you had to drive for... Drive from Fort, Fort Lauderdale to Key West was about three and a half three hours. Three hours, yeah. you got seven hours. Seven You're hours on, in. I mean, one of probably the best, like, ocean vacation yes. areas. Yes. You know, the island completely surrounded by ocean. Yes, all of this opportunity to swim and enjoy, maybe ride some waves, snorkel, do whatever, and your foot never touched the water. Never touched the water. I mean, you didn't I even, did take a shower, but... Okay, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. You, <laughs> you didn't even, like, take your sandals off and walk down the beach Brother, and get it in the water. here's the thing. I, I don't want to be... I so badly don't want to be in the water. I'm not going to even wear sandals. You, didn't even take, you don't even have sandals I'm not, in you, case... I'm not going to even wear sandals. You might be tempted to walk on the to beach. to be tempted to put my foot in the water. Kenny, that is so foreign to me. <laughs> I mean, it just feel It hurts me a little bit because I'm thinking all of this investment into getting there, you're in one of these most incredible places. Yes. I mean, it hurts my heart. It hurts me a little bit to think that you were not able to enjoy. Hey, I enjoyed it. The ocean. I no, just, you did not. <laughs> I just That's didn't enjoy true. it the same way. That's not true. I so, don't believe that. So think it like um, I was talking to Eli, you know, one of our youth. Yes. Eli's a, a, a white guy, black. And mm-hmm. so <laughs> he's asking me how Key West was. And I was like, uh, it was nice. I ain't do any of the water stuff. And he's looking like, this is like Eli's 14, 15. He's but he like, knows. He knows that. If you go to Key West, <laughs> you get in the ocean. <laughs> yes, he knows this. He's like, man, I would have been doing that all the time. Right. And so today, yes. if you haven't paid attention, we are going to talk about diversity and leisure. Mm. And so one of the... One of the main things that I've noticed is different between black culture and white culture when it comes to a leisure is that um, a lot of black people don't swim. Yes. We do not swim. We're, we like I've come to the to the conclusion that white people can have swimming. 
And I know a lot of black people are that as well. <laughs> we just well. don't give it. You we can just, have that. You can have it. We, we don't need we ain't it. We worried about that. We don't want it. Yeah. There okay. are certain, certain leisurely activities that we've said white people can have and, and black people are not going to do. And, and it seems like it's vice versa in, in those situa- situations as well. So my, my experience with swimming is that you just don't do it. White people got it. But my brother William – Yes. You know, how was your experience yeah, I mean, with swimming? I mean, we swam all the time. I, um, I had a babysitter. I don't know how old I was, but I had a babysitter where, I mean, it was a standing regular every Friday. We loaded up. She kept me, my sister. She had a couple, She had some kids. I think there were some other kids. So it was like five, six of us. Every Friday, we went to the local swimming pool, Paris Landing State Park in Tennessee, and, and we went to the pool there, and we swam. And it was like the greatest day of the week. I mean, we looked forward to it. It was so fun. We spent all day in the pool. You know, I mean, we would barely get dry enough just to, you know, cram some lunch. Of course, then back to then, you had to sit 30 minutes out, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. The worst time, right? <laughs> yeah. Just the I, worst. I don't want to eat because. You know, <laughs> I don't want to eat because I, then I couldn't have to get back in the pool. Yeah. So, I mean, we loved that. We would, um, you know, another thing that we did a lot of, we had friends who had, had a boat or had boats. And so we would go, you know, I, I didn't do a lot of skiing, but I did some tubing and, you know, that kind of thing. And we didn't do that a ton, but we did that some. And anytime we could get to the ocean, I mean, good grief, every day, all day in the ocean, swimming, playing. I mean, we love that. Uh, we had friends who had pools, you know, uh-huh. and, and so we would go, you know, I mean, it was regular for us on the weekend in the summer. I mean, I, I, mean, I almost want to say this is probably an overstatement, but like. I would say we went swimming once a week at least. Wow. In the summer, maybe more. Wow. Uh, I mean, we were just in the water all the time. I mean, that was something that we did. That was a regular part of, you know, me growing up. Yeah. So what about you, brother? I mean, obviously that was <laughs> that's we we already know that's not true for you. That so sounds I mean, any so foreign to me. Okay. That <laughs> you all were swimming once a week. Yes. I mean, swimming was and just not a part of our lives at all. Yes. Like, we didn't, I mean, first of all, you, you know, we we did have a public pool, but it was, um, you know, kind of in the middle of town, and we weren't going there, you know. Okay, yeah. Or, you know, my mom wasn't even, <laughs> that wasn't even an option. Like, hey, y'all want to go swimming? Like, that never was a a question that was asked of us. She never asked, "Hey, you guys want to go swimming?" No, 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 no. Wow. We weren't. We weren't going swimming. Uh, nobody was taking us swimming. <laughs> now, we didn't go over anybody's house that was that was swimming. We weren't trying right. to go to any lakes or oceans or anything, rivers, and right. go boating or swimming or anything like that. Like none of that was going on. Just no, no mention of swimming. Okay, so. So we have to ask the question, right? How how do you explain that? Now, now we could just say, well, William had one experience and Kenny had black one, one experience. It didn't have anything to yeah. do with their ethnicity. Right. Do you think that's true? That's not true. I don't I don't I don't believe that's true. There there's a history that goes into this and it just become it, it becomes systemic in a way. It's cuz I mean, we know that this is not it's a stereotype, but you know, some black people can swim and obviously yeah. some white people sure. can't swim. Yes. And, right. You know, but there is a there is some truth to it. There is a systemic element to this because, you know, back in the segregation days when you had 
public pools, when cities started to be build public pools, they were segregated. Mm-hmm. And not, not even segregated to the point of, hey, black people swim on one end and, and white people swim on the other end. If you got one pool and you believe that, you know, black people are tainted somewhere, mm. then you're just not going to let them in. Right. Right. And so black people weren't didn't have access to those things. And then it, it just becomes a, a, a kind of convenience and a kind of this is something that is extra. And if you don't have extra money, extra time, if you're underprivileged, underserved, um, discriminated against and, you know, that cause these things, then you're just not going to do uh, what's considered extra. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have time for for leisure in that sense. And so. Right. When you think about like, let's say my grandma is or my mom even is in this era where you don't have access to a pool because you're segregated against or you you can't go over a friend's house with a swimming pool because everybody, you know, doesn't have a swimming pool. Right. And so you don't learn how to swim. And so you think that person is going to teach their kids to swim. Yeah. Probably or, not. And yeah. then it just goes on to generations that uh, we don't swim. Or you have a bad experience with swimming because you don't know how to swim. And so there's a fear there even to mm. where I don't know how to swim, so I don't want to be near the water. I don't want to – I'm not going to get on a boat. I'm not going to do um, all the stuff, all the leisure activities that other cultures will do. Mm. And so I believe a lot of that played into my experience, and it probably played into the experience of a lot of African Americans in our country. Mm. Are there so we've talked a lot about swimming? Are there other examples of like, yeah, I would say you know like golf and and tennis and, <laughs> golf. and things like like yes. and I think that's why you see um, very little representation in those sports. Even you know even with swimming, professional swimming, right? Like collegiate swimming and things like that, Olympic swimming, mm-hmm. you see very very little representation with those things. Is because those things the access to those things are, it, it costs money. Mm-hmm. It, it requires someone teaching you these things. Right. Um, and so if you're underprivileged and underserved, you just right. are not going, those are not going to be on your radar. Right. And like, I remember Tiger Woods coming and I was like, yes. why didn't anybody tell me that you could make money playing golf? <laughs> like I never knew you could make money. You didn't playing even golf. know it was a professional sport. I, I didn't know it was a sport. And they, I, I, I thought, you know, they played it and you know, they just showed it cause they didn't have anything else to show on TV. <laughs> like I didn't know they were making millions and millions of dollars right. playing golf. I was like, I could have did this. Right. Somebody should have told me. But now, but and, and I mean, Tiger is a very interesting story because yeah. I mean, Tiger came out what early nineties, right? Yeah. Um, and so Tiger's playing golf, but there's still, it's not like that opened up golf to no. a bunch of black kids growing up in the hood, right? You gotta, I mean, you got to go to a, a club, right? You got to go to a, right. a country club to play in that. I mean, golf is expensive. You got to have clubs. Which are crazy. I mean, right. You got to I mean, have the whole thing. I mean, it's lessons. Yep. Like, you're not going to get a lot of kids from the hood to play golf. Right. Just because the, I mean, they don't have the financial access to do it, and so, and that same way with tennis is like, and and I mean, to a lesser extent, swimming is that you're just not going to have access to those things. And you know who would be like if there if there ever was a black golfer that like came out of the hood, yes. talking like 
grew up in Chicago or grew right. up in New York, you know, yes. or, 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 you know, wherever, small town. Right. But grew up in the hood and becomes a good golfer. That is my favorite. That's my favorite That's golfer. my man right there. Like, I can imagine, like, he's going to be like the Allen Iverson. Yes. that's. It's funny. I was thinking Iverson, too. <laughs> right. Allen Iverson of why. golf. Right. The Allen Iverson of he's golf. He's going to be breaking all the etiquette rules and yes. everything else. And yes. Yes. Allen Iverson of golf. <laughs> I need that person to show up. Hey, I need that guy. Get on that, y'all. I get need on it. that. So you really change, like, clothing and attire right. and, like, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Yes. You'd be all wild out there. <laughs> Oh we need that goodness. guy. We, we need that person. You know golf would get all types of good ratings if that guy showed up. Yeah, that's for sure. Yes. That is that is for sure. So what we're talking about all these kind of experiences and different things, but what do, what do we learn about diversity? I mean, what 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 are some takeaways that we can kind of have in just thinking about because there are some lessons in this. Right. So what 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 do you think are some uh things we can learn? Yeah, I, you know, I really do think that it's it's one of the evidence of systemic how systemic racism can be how systemic discrimination can be hmm. like you know learning how to swim for leisure is not all that important right, right. but mm-hmm. learning how to swim for survival yeah is right. quite important mm-hmm. and so and and i think you know a lot of black people because of their fear or because of of the, just not knowing how to swim they don't necessarily connect the dots as far as that's concerned. They just say, well, you know, white people can have that, all that swimming stuff. But right. when you're in a situation where you're drowning or somebody else is drowning, you need to know how to swim. And so you have a whole, not a whole culture, but a lot of people in a culture who do not have this basic survival um, thing yeah, because right. uh, of systemic issues mm. that goes on with that it's not a you know as much as we like to sometimes think that things are kind of ingrained in our dna like mm-hmm. black people are capable of swimming right, it's just right. that again this systemic issue has it's just continuing to perpetuate itself mm. and and so if you don't have access as far as physical access like if i'm in like i think about even where we are now in Sykeston is like me as a kid, me getting to the, even the public pool, which was kind of in the center of town would have been difficult. Right. I would have had to ride my bike or something. My mom is at work during the day. Mm-hmm. I'm having to ride my bike or walk or something. And I'm not doing that. And right. if I have to pay for it and you know, my mom is, is raising five of us at the time and she's working hard and working right. overtime and all this stuff and doesn't have a lot of, you know, disposable income. Right. It's going to be hard for me to learn how to swim and to do it on a regular basis. Well, and even now, I mean, like, so you're talking about when you were growing up. Yeah. Which was, man, decades ago. <laughs> but like, like, but even now in our city. Yeah. If you're going to regularly swim. Yeah. I mean, the, the pools that are available, the country club has a yeah. pool. Probably not a lot of people in the underserved areas. No. Swimming at the country club. Right. The YMCA has a really nice pool. Yes. And they have programs for, you know, I mean, I'm part I'm on the board at the YMCA and I mean, they do they do a real good job of trying to make sure everybody has access to that. Yes. But it's still right. It's in the central part of town. It's, um, you know, a good, good distance away. Right. There's still some still some reliable transportation. So, yeah, I mean, like if you're if you're a kid and you're living in kind of the underserved area of our community, how are you going to learn to swim? Right. 
I mean, ain't nobody got pools. No. So, I mean, that's not really happening. So, I, I think that's a weird, I mean, it's a really odd issue, but it is, it is, um, I think, I think we can learn this lesson of things that happened in the past, but they still continue to have these kind of reverberations, these ongoing impacts. Yes. Even today. I mean, they're still, they're, they're still having that. So, um, and obviously part of that is financial access, right? I mean, just yeah. being able to have, uh, I mean, kids who grow up in underserved areas, they're, they're just not going to have access to all the opportunities that middle-class kids may have yes, um, or upper middle-class or whatever you want to say. And so I think there's, I think there, we don't often, we don't often put all that together. Like we don't often stop and think through, okay, well, why do, why do all these kids learn how to swim and these kids don't learn how to swim? Or why do these kids play golf and these kids don't play golf? You know right. I mean, what? And yet, um, but I think it's, I think it's important for us to think through. What about, what about the, um, what about the local church? I mean, what can the, what, yeah. what do we pull away from some of these types of you things? You know, I think a, a church can, you know, learn how to contextualize and, and figure out how to offer some of these opportunities um, to the communities they are in. And and so, like, you're thinking about in our city, um, like if you're coming into the African-American neighborhood and you're trying to... <laughs> Uh, start a a golf ministry yes and that that may be good right it may be good to offer to you know to give exposure to something that the kids wouldn't necessarily have exposure to Mm -hmm. uh, on a a regular basis Mm -hmm. but you might actually realize that nobody's coming to your ministry right yeah right (laughs) because nobody is interested in golf right? right right And so churches have to learn how to uh, contextualize, to to be more uh, intentional in regards to what are we offering right. the people in the community uh, that we are trying to serve. And because well, think about it, if you start something that nobody's coming to, you get discouraged and you're like, well, I'm not going to do yeah. anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, you need to better think through, okay, what are these people interested in? What are they? What are their interests? What are they? Mm-hmm. What have they been exposed to? And maybe, yeah. And even if you like, like I'm just will carry the golf ministry because I think it's right. funny. But like, even if you, if even if you have a few kids come, right? You can't teach somebody how to play golf in a six month year. Oh, no investment, oh, no. right? Because then once you're once you're done kind of teaching them and investing in them, then what are they going to do? Yeah, they're not going to become a member out at the country club, right? They don't have the money. They don't have the yes. resources to do that. As they get older and get taller, they're going to have to buy new clubs. I mean, you're always having to buy new clubs all the time and, mm-hmm. you know, all the other stuff that goes with it. And so it's like. Clubs are expensive, man. And they're ridiculous. Yes. Kenny. And you got to have different ridiculous. ones. <laughs> and they're good for like a year. And then you got to buy ridiculous price clubs right. again. Like, why you got to have awful. different ones? Like, Oh, man, you can't just play with one, play, man. Play you got to have one. like a whole bag. Yeah, I mean, they need to have like different heads. And then, they come on, <laughs> and then they come on out with new. They really should make a club where you can like change it, you know? Right. Like, maybe just, I'm sure they do. Like, it probably like screwdrivers work. or something. Like, yeah, you it just doesn't work. It doesn't flip work. one up and flip yeah, the other one down. One off like a Swiss st- Army golf like club you, or you something. Take it off and then stick another one on there. Dude. If somebody's listening to this podcast and they make millions of dollars off of our idea, we could came you, up with a could first. Could you at least sponsor the podcast yes. or something? Anyway, like, um, yeah, I think. I mean, I just think there's it. It is. It's. We don't often think about there are you know there are opportunities in our country that 
they're just not free. Everybody doesn't have those opportunities. Right. Right. And, and honestly, I mean, there are, there are white middle-class kids who don't have the opportunity to play golf. Yeah. If you don't have a parent, I mean, I played golf some as a kid because my dad, I had, my dad played golf, you know, and, and plays golf. And so, but all, most of my friends never been on a golf course uh-huh. and never have any interest in it. Right. You know, as they get older, they could decide to take it up or whatever. Yeah. But you know, it's just one of those things. It's one of those sports that you just don't have access to, you know, yeah. and, um, it's kind of, kind of difficult. Because then, of that. But there is a perception, like even in the, like as a black professional, let's say that a lot of, Willing and Dylan happens on the golf course, right? Yes. And if you don't know how to play golf, it's like, mm-hmm. am I being excluded from? Yeah, right. You know, building these relationships, absolutely. Or being yeah. excluded from, you know, even getting a promotion because I don't have this in common with, mm. you know, my white peers or my white superior. Yeah. And so, I mean, there is a sense in which it's like it's more than it becomes more than leisure. Yeah. Yeah, because now it's affecting my ability to progress mm-hmm. yep. in my workspace. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So how do we, if, you know, if we're a church and we're saying, okay, we want to provide some of these opportunities and we want to, you know, how do we do that? What are, you know, can can we learn from mistakes? Are there yeah. good, good examples, bad examples? I mean, how do we... How do we try to, uh, or maybe even local city people? I mean, if yeah. they're trying to say, "Hey, we want to, we want to try to break through some of this and make make some of these opportunities more diverse," h- how do we do that? I think we can remove some of the barriers that we we were just talking about, like the 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 problem of not having something in your neighborhood. Yeah, and so um, a good example of this is like we have a splash pad in our downtown area. Mm-hmm. And most people in the African-American community don't live near it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. still like a, a mile or a couple miles away from it. And you still, I mean, you see a nice diversity of people down there, but right. but it's still not in their neighborhood. And right. what our city has done is um, they're starting to build a splash pad in the um, African-American p- community, the yes. park in the African-American community. Mm-hmm. And they're, being intentional about making sure that it's not a lesser splash pad. <laughs> uh, and, and that's, you know, right. that has tend to have, that's what we saw in segregation, right? right. Like we're, we're going to segregate, we're going to say separate, but equal, but it ends up not being equal right. at all. Yeah. And so, you know, to, to be intentional about saying that, yeah, we're going to put something in your neighborhood that is good, mm. that is, that is done well. And, and so we can remove that barrier of, you not being able to get to um, the same services in a different neighborhood. Right. Right. Yeah. But there are bad examples. Fair, too, yeah. Right. Ba- <laughs> I mean, what's, <laughs> what's a bad example that you, you can recall? Yeah. So you can also try to provide exposure to a neighborhood of things that they wouldn't have access to <laughs> in a way that is not, uh, that is not very intentional, not very helpful. And so when I grew up, you know, grew up in the African-American community <laughs> and uh, we had a park yes. called Roberta Row. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, it, it had one basketball court and then it had a fence. Uh, I mean, a fence with two tennis courts yes. in it, two mm-hmm. tennis courts mm-hmm. in, the hood. in the hood. And so I was like, you know, these courts never – Got used for tennis. <laughs> Come on, never. If Kenny, they did, <laughs> it would have been incredible. I mean, 
I, I could have been incredible. But think about it, though. You put some tennis courts in the hood. Kids have no rackets. Yep. Rackets cost money. Right. A good record costs a, a lot lots of money. Of money. Yep. You need a lot of balls to right. get good at tennis. Yep. Right. You mm-hmm. need to you need some tennis lessons. Yeah. And so if you don't have all those other things, then these tennis courts are not gonna get used. They got used for everything except tennis. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we were using them to, to practice hurdling. Yes, uh, over the jump net. Over them. Yeah, yeah, we would just mm-hmm. see who could jump over the net, basically. Mm-hmm. But see, the the good thing, you know, one of the lessons learned from that is that the city did realize that nobody was playing tennis after a lot of years, mm-hmm. and they put basketball courts in there. Yes, and now though, you know, those basketball courts were used a lot, and so mm-hmm. it, it it provided access in a different way to where now. You know, everybody's not having to wait for this one goal, this one mm-hmm. court to be used. Now you got three courts to be right. used. And so realizing that, you know, this is not necessarily a good idea and then coming back and, and correcting that, I think right. was great. And it yeah. is and it is hard. I mean, it's hard because there may have been, I mean, the original designer, I mean, he may have just thought, hey, let's put in a park. And yeah, maybe he was seriously white and seriously didn't even think about it. And so he's like, well, you know, every good park has to have, you know, basketball right. courts and tennis courts. And he didn't even think about it. But but it could have been, I mean, it could have been that his motivation was we want to provide opportunities for kids to, yeah. who want to learn how to play tennis. Very good motive. The only the only drawback was is you don't you don't think it through, right? You yeah. don't think through, okay, what all's needed to be able to play the sport of tennis, you know? Or, right. Uh, or were you talking earlier about the, you know, sport of golf? Like there there is and you gotta really think through all those things. Yes. You know, and uh, I mean, I think the city was probably wise, you know, at some point to just say, "Hey, let's just uh, let's make the tennis courts, basketball courts. You know, right. that'll get that'll get more use." And but you do end up taking away. I mean, you yeah. Now there's no tennis courts no in the hood, courts. right? They don't right. exist, and so um, so I think there is. There's just a lot to think through. I mean, when you're trying to figure out, you know, how to kind of give these give other opportunities and and help there be more diversity in these these leisure activities, right? Um, you know, I think, I think it's important. So, so brother, let's say somebody wanted to start a tennis ministry, golf ministry in a, uh, minority neighborhood. What, what were, what are some suggestions you would give them? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think, um, I mean, tennis, tennis is a little bit easier just because there's not quite as much. I mean, you could right. you could probably get somebody to donate a bunch of rackets and donate a bunch of balls and donate a bunch of, you know, those kinds of things and uh, maybe have maybe start a little club that, you know, every – every I didn't grow up playing tennis, so I don't really know how it works. But, like, <laughs> you know, maybe, like, you get together and play matches on Saturdays yeah. or, you know, I mean, you could – but but that's that's a you got to think long term, right? That's it. And as yeah. kids as kids get better, okay, this kid's really progressing. Maybe we need to get him a better racket. You know, we need to help him. Or, uh, you know, our local school system has has a tennis team, right? Yeah. And so you yes. can make sure they get connected with the coaches. And you know, but I think I think that would be a way. You know, at least yeah. with tennis, golf's a whole different deal it's because you've got to have a course. You know, yes. and um, and it's hard. You know, it's hard to. Um, it's hard to get kids to the course and how you're going to get them there and how you're going to teach them. And then it's like we were talking about a while ago. I mean, having all the, I mean, I think you could get, 
you know, you can find old golf clubs. I mean, I've yeah. got old golf clubs in my shed at my house right now that mm-hmm. I'd be glad to donate to anybody <laughs> right. who wants we to. We sound like we got a golf ministry coming out That's of this. That's right. No, there's no yes. golf ministry in my shed. So, um, but you know, I mean, you can you could find the materials and get that kind of stuff. But but the ongoing, I mean, you're going to have to have somebody taking them to the course. You're going to have to have a yeah. course who's willing to work with you, which. In my experience, there's not a lot of those. Right. You know, there's kind of a, there's, you you either know how to play or you don't know how to play. Don't come and learn on our course, you know, type thing. Yeah. You got to know the etiquette, you know, and all those kinds of things. And so (laughs) most young kids growing up don't have the etiquette, right? They just don't. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so that one would be a little bit more challenging. Right. But it is, it is that thinking long term, you know, somebody really investing and saying, Hey, I want to help with this. I want to do this. Um, I I think those are the, those are the answers, you know, bu- yeah. building a tennis court is a great idea, right? But you gotta, you know, you gotta have some follow through. You gotta have people who are going to invest there. Yeah. You know, and I so. think that's, you know, that's the important part is the long-term investment and offering it in a way to where there's minimal expense because, you know, I think about major league baseball when I was, when I was a kid, baseball was actually really diverse. Like mm-hmm. there was a lot of African Americans play like Ozzie Smith, Willie McGee, Ricky Henderson, yes. all these different players Ricky. were were playing baseball. But what happened is for some reason baseball, like Major League Baseball, where whereas there's a lot of Latin Americans in mm-hmm. Major League Baseball, there's not many African Americans anymore. Yeah. And so Major League Baseball has been intentional about coming into inner cities into minority neighborhoods and, you know, providing fields and actually providing equipment to to these neighborhoods so that they can get baseball back diverse as far as african-americans are concerned Mm -hmm. and so it's a long term it's that long-term investment that that minimal expense so that people who are underserved can have access to these things yeah it's good yeah all right. Well, that leads us to our our crazy question. We've talked a lot about sports and our leisure your leisure thing today. Um, and so, Kenny, what's a sport that you wish you would have played growing up? So for me, it would be golf first, and, golf and and tennis second. Golf because again, saw Tiger Woods. Realized he was making you really mad, wanted to be the, mad next, money. the next Tiger Woods. Yes. yes, and I was like, I need to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, but here's the thing: like back in the day, I, I was a cocky athlete. Mm, like I was, Kenny. I figured I was going to be good at everything, every sport. Just going to walk in, just walk into it and dominate. Yes. Yeah. And even in my adult years, it mm-hmm. was like you know I was great as a kid in baseball. I mean, awesome. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, if I could hit a a fastball. Surely I can hit some ball just sitting there. Just sitting there. It ain't even moving. It ain't even moving. I can hit this golf ball. So I went Mm -hmm. to play golf with some guys Mm -hmm. in in St. Mm -hmm. Louis. Man, I was humbled. Humbled. I mean, first I was frustrated. It's a humbling sport. Yes. Yes. I was frustrated first because, you know, I came in with these high expectations that I'm going to be just so great. (laughs) (laughs) So let me, the honest question. First time you stepped up to hit the ball, how many times did you swing before you actually hit the ball? It probably was about ten times. Are you? I'm, yeah. I'm not. I'm not lying. Yes. And yes. then it was like it was a guy who was like he almost sw- a semi-pro, right? And he was just saying, you know, 
just follow, you know, follow through. You don't have to swing as hard because because <laughs> Kenny tried to. I'm trying to kill it like a baseball man. <laughs> I'm trying to oh, kill man. this ball, and they are watch, like, I'm going to watch video of that let, when we get in the glory because that's going to be a let great. the like let the club do the work. I think is what he was telling me yes, to do. Right, and I was like, swing smooth. This yep. doesn't sound right. Yeah, it sounds like I'm supposed to kill the ball. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, nope. and man, I probably. Carved up some holes in that yes. course that day. Yes. And, yes. <laughs> and that, all types of stuff. Oh, man. It awesome. was horrible. Yeah. And so, yes, I needed to play golf, golf. as a kid. Yeah. I think, yes. I mean, I think I would have done, um, I think I would have, I think I would have really enjoyed swimming. Yeah. Okay. I like to swim at the Y. And um, I mean, no, I really enjoyed swimming. You need to do swimming. the one, you, you should have did the one thing where they jump off the, the diving board and no, turn all the flips and I'm not, that's, diving. That's called yeah, diving or something? Yeah, diving. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's called diving. <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure that's, that's what a that's called. Day? That is okay. a sport, yes. Yes. No, I don't know that I could have done all the flips and done all the whatever. But yes. I like I like, I like, like being in the water and like swimming. Like long distance. I hate, like long distance running is ridiculous. I just don't have any joy in that. But I think I could enjoy swimming. Oh, okay. You know, being in the water and... I don't know. I'd probably get out there and be like, this is boring. What's, what's yeah. happening? You know? <laughs> Just going back and forth. Yes. Why are we right. doing this? We did figure out earlier, though, we, Kitty and I were talking, why, as a basketball player, I hate running. And it's because in when we practiced, running was a punishment for doing something yeah. wrong. And so the, the idea that I was going to l- go out and run for fun was like, why would I go out and do what the coach uses to punish us? Right. It doesn't make any sense. And so it's psychological. Yes. It's probably it's not a lot, true, of, a lot of issues there. Yeah. So uh, hopefully uh, that's been helpful for you today as we've kind of talked through some of these leisure issues and how uh, it impacts diversity. And, and uh, so we'll uh, catch up with you next week. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening to the Diversity and Fellowship Podcast. If you want to join the discussion, please send us your questions and your comments to diversityandfellowship at gmail.com. That's diversityandfellowship at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, keep laboring by God's grace to be a faithful display of how the power of the gospel unites us in Christ.